0: Hello and welcome to episode number four of Prosperity by the Pint. I'm your host, certified financial planner, charter financial consultant, certified investment management analyst, and self-proclaimed millennial money expert, Bryce Carter. This week, I am joined by a very special guest, and we are going to be, as usual, talking about money, investing, business, life, and business success our special guest this week is a very good friend of mine and brand new father. Congratulations. Thank you. Ed Constable of the EdConstable.com team and Fast Traction Media, among other enterprises.
1: Yes. America, baby.
0: America. <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, we're sharing in a couple of beers this week. I'm having a short sprue sticky, icky American IPA. And you are? Sierra Nevada Tropical Torpedo Tropical IPA. Cheers. Cheers. It's not bad. All right. That's pretty good. I like that. Okay, so Ed is a real estate investor, a realtor, entrepreneur, and a self-made man, and I just want to dive right into it and get going on how you got started in real estate. Uh, tell me about it. Start from the top.
1: So, my start in real estate started at like age five, six, maybe even two or three, where my dad was a real estate developer. And he started out in the painting business. So, I drive around sitting shotgun with him every other weekend on all these different real estate developments, subdivisions, 10 acre parcels he subdivides and flip houses. So, that's where I really got my start. And that's where I really found out I knew I wanted to be in real estate. But then the crash came, everybody went bankrupt, including my father. And I went off to college, and I couldn't find a single college that had a real estate program because not many people go to college just for real estate. So I ended up at Northwood, graduated from there in four years, and six months out, bought my first commercial building in downtown Linden.
0: All right. So let's, let's, let's back up a minute. Cause okay. So your dad was a real estate developer. Yes. Made a lot of money. Yes went bankrupt you got it what'd you learn from (laughs) that because that had to be an experience right
1: yes it was definitely a roller coaster Uh, he moved 10 times in 10 years started out in a 500 square foot house on eagle court and ended up with a three million dollar estate and private lakes and cars and it was living the dream the high life and i definitely learned a lot from that experience one the biggest thing i learned from him is anything is possible
0: he was a man of vision (laughs) yes Sometimes uh, his vision was a little blindsided, apparently.
1: Yes, and uh, sometimes his morals could have been a little slanted, but <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, well. Uh, but I learned anything was possible, and another thing I learned is that you know bad times do come. The markets do change, and you cannot be one-sided and have one source of income from that. And his only source of income at that time when the crash happened, was developing real estate. You know, Sitting on 500 acres, a lot of it paid for, leveraged to pay his bill for a little while, and then he's got 500 acres in Oakland County he can't do anything with. No one's buying land.
0: So that's, that's, that's ultimately, uh, some of that is a, a cash story, right? Yes. Because at the end of the day, if I have my mortgage paid off, but I only have $1,000 in my checking account, and nobody's lending money, it doesn't matter. You got right? it. Right? Cash is king when it comes to personal finance, yep. right? So, I want to talk about Northwood for a second, because one of the things we talk about on this podcast is is issues monetarily that affect particularly young people, millennials, right? So, you took on some student debt, I'm guessing. Yeah, a little bit. And do you need your degree to do your job? Absolutely not. Okay. So, we were told that we should go to college, right? Yeah, brainwashed. In order to to pay for it, we have to get out student loans. Now, this isn't a knock against college. This is just the reality of the system. No, in college, I learned what my social security number was. There we go. So we are we are told that we're supposed to go to college. We got to pay out debt to do that. And in reality, you're making a shit ton of money right now with a college degree that you don't use, right? Yeah, I learned one thing in
1: college. What was that? Uh, besides my social security number, the first week because my mom used to fill out all that stuff. Yeah. I, the biggest thing I learned in college when business is good, you advertise.
0: There we go.
1: And when business is bad, you advertise more.
0: That's actually a really good business lesson. Yeah. But I don't know that you needed a four year degree to know that. I mean, there's a couple uh-huh. books out there. There's a guy named Gary Vee. <laughs> so, well, let's fast the you're out of college, six months in, you bought your first unit. Yes. Talk about that. Oh, I my God. I remember, Ray, I heard a story about you putting this on a credit card or something stupid <laughs> like that. We tried. Some Uncle Ricky financial <laughs> advice there.
1: Okay, so I <laughs> it was an interesting <laughs> experience, uh, and the market's crap. There's this building in downtown Linden, and I'm keeping my eye on all these little cheap deals, and I was building in Linden. Was on the market when okay. I first. No, saw so it. So
0: you graduated in eleven or twelve. Eleven. Eleven. So market crashed in '08. Things hadn't recovered by '11 yet. So no, it was still
1: there. Were some very good deals, and this thing was foreclosed on for $180,000. Mm-hmm. Sitting on the market for 49, it drops to 29. I'm like, I'm writing an offer, and my offer was $5,000. First student, you put an offer in five grand. Okay. So, <laughs> needless to say, they did not take it. But at the time, all I had was five grand. So they counteroffered for seventeen thousand nine hundred, and that counteroffer I didn't have seventeen nine, but I had a crotch rocket, I had a little bit of money in the bank, and living in my mom's basement, my boat, my bills are really low, and I I accepted it. I did not know where I was going to get the money from. I just trusted I'd figure it out, and luckily I had good credit, and my mom had good credit, and but neither of us had any money really Just say and but we went to Financial Plus Credit Union and my mom lowered her limits on one of her credit cards
0: sponsored or endorsed by financial credit union no
1: (laughs) we went to the credit union and my mom lowered her line of credit on her credit card so we could co-sign together for an unsecured personal loan for fifteen thousand dollars at like twelve percent interest
0: so you bought your first units at what you would hope to make on a reasonable unit today Interest rate wise. Yes. (laughs) You hope to make 12%. If I could
1: make 12% on every deal, I'd be tickled. And I was paying out 12%. Okay. So that's a a tough
0: gig. Yes. (laughs)
1: Okay. How'd that work out? Well, it was definitely a roller coaster. And speaking of roller coaster, the floors in this building were 18 inch buckles. So the floors were kind of a roller coaster. (laughs) (laughs) And while all my friends that summer, they're out partying on the lake, 4th of July, I spent every... Every day after work, every weekend, it's 98 degrees on a 4th of July. Our friends are out partying the lake. We're invited. And my now wife, then girlfriend, myself, are in this unit rolling, painting, spackling, and fixing up this unit. And it's what we did. We lived this building for months to get it to the point where I could rent an apartment just so my very first tenant
0: wouldn't pay me. Oh, wow. So, so... Tell me that this that this first unit has a good story, good ending to it. How, I mean, what ended up with the... With well, the I didn't
1: list? give up the whole time I had it. It's definitely a blood, sweats, and tears in that thing. And I bought my second one. My first one still wasn't even profitable, but I had the faith that it would eventually happen. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we shortly after that, we refinanced it uh, to get my interest rate down a little bit. In the refinance, we I pulled a little money to repave the parking lot. I put in a concrete parking lot, fixed the building up a little bit more. Now, it's paid for, uh, you know... That's me a thousand bucks a month without getting out of bed so not a bad gig for the first round <laughs> no all right took a little while but
0: so how many units are you up to now uh, we get about 50 tenants okay so you're at 50 tenants yep. you're, you're you're selling real estate on that uh, as well what's your main job now is it real estate is it is it selling real estate as a realtor or is it being a landlord
1: well i would say as far as my investing side i call my landlord side part of my investing you know wing of my real estate. And then there's the selling side. I'd say the income from each is probably pretty proportionate, split, okay. somewhat even. Um, the real estate side, I met another very wealthy landlord one time and he told me, and like, because all I want to do is buy real estate, but it's like, how do you get the money to buy all this real estate? Right, like right. you need the down payment. So he's like, this is, his name's, this guy's name's Denny. He owned this big carpet distributor. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how'd you get all your money to build all this? He's like, well, we built a business and then we used the money from the business to buy the more real estate, right? So my
0: you got to start from somewhere.
1: Yes. Yeah, so my business You're, is I sell real estate. Okay. With the money from my business, I
0: invest it into real estate. Okay. So you have a pipeline there. Yes. Now I got to ask this as a, as as an investor myself. Uh, do you worry about diversification there? Because your day job, your business, is real estate, and your investment is real estate.
1: So they're yeah. correlated.
0: Absolutely. So if the real estate market crashes, not only your investments take a take a shit.
1: Yes. Your business
0: can take a sure shit too.
1: It definitely can. How do but, you prepare for that? Well, I like to stick to what I know. Okay. And like you, we said earlier, cash is king. Okay. So you like to sit on a little bit. Um, there's a lot of things you can do though. And the biggest thing is I don't over leverage anything. So I know a lot of people that have built their little mini real estate empires. They might own more units than me, but my cash flow at the end of the day is higher or the same, but my debt loads significantly less. So I buy a lot of things on short-term contracts or long-term contracts. And at the end of that five-year balloon, I used to worry like, how am I going to come up with the $17,000 to pay off this land contract? We just had one come up in Durand. We had $17,000. And I just said, I could have went and refinanced for eighty grand on this building mm-hmm. and put some money in my pocket. But I just paid it off, and now I've got one more piece of real estate sitting there that's paid for, so I'm not
0: over-leveraged on anything. So the risk mitigation is... Be under leverage what you're able to mm-hmm. cash is king and at the end of the day you have to realize the reality that you're living in which is under diversified right so you got to be aware of those risks so all right so you have 50 units your day job business day business is real estate talk about that a little bit so you, you had a if i remember right i heard you had a pretty monster 17 so how many units did you sell what was the dollar value break that down for me
1: okay so 16 we did read right about six million okay uh Seventeen, we did 13 million.
0: okay so if anybody's not bad at not good at math they are more than double.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then this year we're going to finish right around 15 million. Okay,
0: so what in you, sales? What do you attribute because you know this show isn't just about investing and things <laughs> like that. it's also about business strategy, success, marketing. What do you attribute that success to? Hours in the day and growing in your business is one thing and just investing in and living in it, but what else? So I think one of the things that a lot of people need to do is if
1: you're not 100% happy with where you're at, it's hard to find where you need to be on your own. So sometimes the outside perspective that you pay for, so some kind of coaching makes a big
0: difference. So you have a business coach then? Yes. I'm on
1: my second one.
0: Okay. First one wasn't cutting cheese?
1: But the first one definitely cut the cheese. The first one took me from 6 million to 13 million. Okay. The
0: You're looking for the coach that's going to take you from 13 to 30.
1: You got it. So he, he kind of And he saw it also. I plateaued with him. He got me as far as he really could get me. Mm -hmm. And then he passed the torch to this new guy. And the new guy, you know, we're already implementing strategies for 2019 to uh, almost, we want to do 24 million in 19.
0: Okay. So that's the goal. We have the benchmarks. now. So what are you, what steps are you taking to get there?
1: There, uh, this even just this week we've okay. spent
0: a lot of time. Other than, of course, being on the Prosperity by the Pint podcast, which of course is you know ridiculous <laughs> brought to your, exposure, brought
1: to your sponsor, Financial <laughs> Strategies Group, yep. and
0: uh, probably a good time for a beer break. So yeah, thank uh, you again. The Shorts Brew Sticky Icky. This is what I'm drinking. This thing is freaking fantastic. Even if you don't really like IPAs, it's pretty mild. Um, finish is good. It's not very multi, and just a little bit of a hop kick.
1: All right, well, this Torpedo Tropical IPA definitely does not have that kicky, hot pine cone taste that you like. No?
0: No, I, definitely I, I mild. I've had that before. Do you actually <laughs> taste the Tropic in it? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right, so there you go. There's the beers for the day. So we have the 2019 goal set. Talk to me about your team a little bit because you're starting to build out and, and broaden your team and have some more people on there. It's not edconstable.com anymore. It's edconstable.com team.
1: You got it. So – the first coach, he, the very first meeting, I almost did not hire him because I got so much value out of that meeting that he helped me get on my own way to hire that
0: first hourly employee. And this was in 16 yes. when you were at $6 million in sales? Yes. And doing everything yourself? Everything myself. Okay.
1: Then, so now I'm up to three hourlies. I have two buyer's agents on my team, and my $24 million that I want to do is excluding what they do. So okay. that's a whole... So that's Separate. your
0: personal sales. You're not counting their yes. sales. There's some people that tend to count other people's sales into their sales, but, you know, no. you know that's fine.
1: You don't make so, a whole lot of money on someone else's yeah, sales.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. It's the, it's the piece of the pie. So
1: park. one of our major things that we're focusing on this year to save time, I mean, we're, the biggest thing we're focusing on is to save time. Right. So yesterday I had a big meeting, today I had another meeting, and the whole focus of these meetings was… You mean the, team meetings. Team meetings. Team meetings. With different members of the team is the strategies, the systems that we in place, put in place… To save time, right? So, what can we automate in our business? So, for example, like when we have an so you because you want to go
0: from ultimately if the goal is, you know, next year is is twenty four million. Yes. you want to go from twenty four to fifty and stay the same team size.
1: Yeah, maybe hire one more employee because every time if you have to hire another person, every time you add two million in sales, it's like, what's the point?
0: Yeah, you're, you're looking at that's yeah, it's 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 basically it's taxes at that point, right? It's yeah, dismotivation from working, which nobody wants. So. <laughs> no. So, okay, so that, that that makes sense, automating the business, which, you know, one of the things that we talk about on this podcast, too, is the advantages that we have as younger people, and that's technology. Yeah. Uh, we can operate at a lot more efficient level, right? Mm-hmm. So you bought a billboard, right? And you have a billboard, or have had billboards. Yeah, I've had lots of billboards. What do you, you pay for 2000 a month for billboards? Approximately. And how many people do you think see it and look at it and recognize it? Well... I mean, on a monthly basis. Maybe. They say
1: that you get, like, hundreds of thousands of impressions, but when you go out in public, you know... Like, we're going to be sitting at Applebee's, and yeah. they'll recognize us either from a TV commercial or a billboard. Well, a lot of times
0: it's because they know you already. They ran into you at a chamber event. Yeah,
1: like that, that. it definitely helps. So Advertising helps a lot more when you are out networking and working it. But the point of saying
0: that is you're spending $2,000 a month. If I put $2,000 a month behind promoting this episode, how many how many more people do you think we'd reach than your podcast? Oh, and so, that's where social spend is way better. Yeah, so that's where technology... Has helped us as young business owners yes. embracing it, right? And it's a more engaging and pressing, also. So that brings me to my next thing, which is fast traction media, which mm-hmm. is another business of yours. So mm-hmm. you've got the you got the, your your real estate investments. Yes, you've got real estate as your profession and your business, and now you have fast traction media, which is a completely different animal.
1: It is a different animal, but a lot of the clients of fast traction media are also real estate related individuals. So some real estate i mean I some first,
0: more what is fast traction media cuz i we haven't talked about that at all yet is it's a it's, small
1: advertising firm and fast traction media handles all of my things so uh, my partner on it drew mm-hmm. is uh, you know michigan state grad videographer he's worked for tv stations mm-hmm. his video content's unbelievable his website skills are awesome so he's just a really really good all around resource for advertising for any small business mm-hmm. and so one of the biggest clients that we try and tackle and approach for fast-traction
0: media is lenders. So you've done a really good job of creating social content, whether it's videos, uh, drone videos, which are which yeah. have been very, very successful, um, writing blog posts and so on. And that, that's that's driven your business. And the goal of fast-traction media, from what you're telling me, is to help other people in the real estate field improve their presence digitally. Yes.
1: And not necessarily my competitors. It's more of my... Uh, partners. Some partners,
0: mortgage lenders, yeah, uh, appraisers. So yeah, on, so like
1: so. we uh, we built a website for Matt Keyway, he's a lender that we use a lot, and I'm like Matt, you need to write write a blog post about this, and you can, here's an, almost a blog post that you can rewrite, put your own twist on it, we post yep. it. And he does you know, one or two of those a month. I'm like, send out a re- re- review request to all your people. Get your 20 Google reviews. Next thing you know, if you Google Mortgage Lender in Flint, Michigan, he pops up. People just randomly call him right, and get in business. And he's like, hey, i got to call off my website. And then he passes that lead for me because
0: all the work that we did to get him there. Right. You're teaching the, 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 you're teaching the chain of success yeah. for digital marketing. Yes. So what's the goal for Fast Traction Media at the end of the day? I mean, you want this to, it, it's not a profitable venture at this point for you. No. At least not in dollar terms. I mean, you get a lot of, I guess, credibility from it. You're building stronger relationships with referral partners. But what's the end goal with it?
1: I, I don't. It's not a business that I want to be huge. I want to put more of my focus and energy on building the residual side of uh, investing in real estate and mm-hmm. office buildings, apartment buildings, stuff like that. I would like it to get at the point where, you know, it brings in ten thousand a month and I don't have to be the CEO right, of it. Right. But if it doesn't get there, it kinda of is what it is and it's a it's a lever that helps us learn how to spend socially on ours. Yeah. And you know, instead of spending, you know, say we spend a thousand or fifteen hundred a month on yeah. social ads, we can spend five thousand a month or ten thousand a month on social ads for other people also and learn ways not only to increase their reach but to increase our own. So,
0: So, I mean, there's ancillary benefits there, but I don't know. I would maybe look at it because you're already getting some traction from it. It's already working really well for you. Maybe look at it as a diversifier for your real estate side of the income because there's Mm -hmm. other firms, I mean, financial people... Shit, we're terrible it. I mean, I think we try to do a pretty good job at Financial Strategies Group of being out there. Oh, your guys' social.
1: stuff's awesome, but, but, but as a whole— But the is
0: pretty low, and you have high-profit margin business that's spending very low on social. I don't know. It seems like it might be a diversifying opportunity.
1: It definitely could be, but there's only so much time in a day,
0: and you can't do everything. That's right. Automation. That's what, it, <laughs> yeah. that's what we're having meetings on. So one of the things I wanted to get your opinion on for the, for, for the listeners is real estate is a side hustle. Because I come across this all the time, as mm-hmm. people wanting a side hustle, and my go-to advice—now this is from a financial perspective—is your returns on real estate, particularly rentals, can be fi- can be great. Uh, flips, not so much, unless you're in the business and, and you have relationships with contractors yeah. and such. But it can—real estate as a side hustle, particularly rental incomes, can work out well for you if—and this is a big if—if if you're treating it as a business. Right, if it's this thing you do doing this on the side, and you get irritated every time there's a phone call on your first rental, it's not going to work for you. Yeah. But you have got to treat it as a business. But that's my perspective as a financial advisor. What's yours? All right. Because so, you've done some property management too for others.
1: Yeah. So the biggest hurdle I see with a lot of people getting into real estate is you you can't have just one. I think you could have two or three. You can't have just one because a lot of people, if they have just one and that one house goes vacant, the cost of the rehab, the cost of that mortgage while it's sitting vacant, and the heat and all that stuff in the middle of the winter could sink a lot of individuals who are living Mm -hmm. paycheck to paycheck or close to paycheck to paycheck. Excuse
0: me. Well, that's and. what happens when you drink beer on yeah. a podcast. So uh, for, <laughs> for those of you that are listeners and uh, our viewers. No, Bryce has got, see, got my big beer, gills. <laughs> my, my beer is gone. That usually doesn't happen. That means it's a winner. Uh, so. <laughs> also, usually I'm the one that's doing all the talking, uh, and this time our guests won't shut up. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Did I say that? <laughs> uh, continue, continue. More than one. Uh, you need more than
1: one, and you cannot be friends with your tenants. Don't save their phone number in your phone. Don't even remember their name. You just have a system. I'd recommend Trello. It's a system that we use for most every section of our business uh, to organize lists and tasks. Trello is
0: not sponsored in this show at this time. (laughs) We're open to sponsorship.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, It's a free software that we use to manage all sorts of segments of our business. But uh, Put their phone numbers in Trello. Put their contact, emergency contact, their rental application, their lease. Put all that stuff in Trello. Don't save their phone number in their phone don't answer if you do save their phone number on their phone don't ever answer it let them leave a voicemail call them back and deal with it because they're going to want to talk about their grandma and their drama and as soon as you become friends with these people they think it's okay not to pay you on time and then you feel bad evicting them on thanksgiving and it's just you do not want to know them it's a business and, and it's a as such
0: it's a business that you do not want to be friends with your customers for the record it doesn't mean that you don't have a heart eddie does a lot in the community uh you, you've got a couple of uh, nonprofits that you're supporting things like that so yes. it's not about having a heart but little shout out heart. for the onesie charity pub dot com, january 19th <laughs> january 19th <laughs> this podcast might not be aired by 20, january 19th but that's okay uh next year next year the thing being with it is if you are the owner of a particular unit and your payment is $700 a month and nobody's paying their rents, but they're living there. Yeah. You still have your $700 a month. Yes. And if you don't pay it, you lose your property. You got it. Right. right. And so it's got to be if the same If they don't around. pay, they need to loo- move they, also. They, they, they also need to find another location. So here's the thing. Real estate as a side hustle can work. Sounds like you agree with me. You got to treat it as a business. Yes. Okay.
1: Another problem, briefly: a lot of people overpay for rentals. So, houses that we live in, yeah, this home we're sitting in, the ranch, mm-hmm. the uh, ranch. It's called a ranch. The uh, this was an emotional purchase. This house has value because of emotion. Uh, a rental property. Any
0: home that you're living in, any house that becomes a home is emotional. Is emotional. Right.
1: Real estate. Investing is one hundred percent all financial, so you could have a single family home right here that sells for two hundred grand mm-hmm. it's two thousand square feet. Mm-hmm. You could have a duplex directly next door that's also two thousand square feet that duplex could be worth twenty thousand dollars or it could be worth three hundred all on how that what the rents are, how the utilities are structured, what tenants pay for what bills there's so many factors it's that can a affect that num- the it's a numbers
0: it's the numbers game right so I like to equate things to stock investing because that's that's, what you do. that's 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 what I know is that I may really like a company's product. For instance, I really like Miller Coors. I happen to drink a little bit of Coors Light in my day, but if they're at a higher price per earnings than a company that seems to be growing faster, let's just call that company Anheuser Busch. But you know that's a bad example because. Uh, I don't know that's a better scenario right now, but let's just happen to say Anheuser-Busch is growing at a faster rate. They're at a lower price per earnings. Why would I emotionally buy Miller course just because I like it? You wouldn't. You wouldn't. That's a bad decision. Yes. Right. So real estate, you got to equate that.
1: And the rule of thumb for just to put a number on how much a, an investment property is worth is, hey, I use it, is a, a 10 cap. 10 cap. And a 10 cap equals what a property will make in 10 years. So if you take... Income minus taxes, insurance, management fee, vacancy, maintenance and repairs, insurance, any utilities you a to pay, lawn care, roof, uh, roof slush fund, all that stuff. Your true net. So it could be three thousand dollars. A property that makes three thousand dollars is worth thirty grand. If it makes a hundred grand, it's worth a million bucks.
0: Okay. okay. So the idea behind that being, you need to find out for your area and your financial situation. What an acceptable cap is. Ten is a starting point. In certain areas with tighter margins, it might be a little bit lower. Yeah, and in it could certain be seven. areas, it could be a lot better. Yeah, uh, but you need to establish that number and not be emotionally attached to a building. I always say there's exceptions to every rule, and that is, for instance, if I was buying a office building and I was going to sublet half of it, but I was going to use half of it for myself. That's different. That's different, right? So there's exceptions to every rule. So. I'm probably going to wrap up the podcast now on a couple of different notes. I want to go with lessons learned. In any particular industry or any particular investment, diversification matters. And that matters in the sense that you need to know when you're overexposed to risk. You need to take the steps to minimize that, whether that's holding cash, extra cash, being under-levered, buying different entities, whether that's stocks or uh, rentals that are attached to different income sources, that's the, that's the investing side of this the, this particular podcast. But the motivational side is when it comes down to it, you can do whatever you want to do. This guy happened to choose to miss out on 4th of July parties at 21 years old in order to sand wood floors in a $17,000 commercial building. And that's where the start happened. Yep. And you didn't need a college degree to do that. How much did you account on student loans? I don't know. thirty forty 40 grand. Something. Thirty forty thousand dollars $40,000. Twice as much as what the building costs was the yeah. piece of paper. I got to wait two of those buildings, and I don't want to tell anybody <laughs> that if they, if their dreams are go to college and become new an engineer, do it. But the thing is, you got to try stuff to know what you want to do. And so we're we're brainwashed to think that we need that uh, that that college degree. We don't necessarily need that. And so at the end of the day, you need to try shit. You need to try shit like investing in real estate. You need to try shit like investing in stocks and seeing if something else out there is for you besides that college degree. Ed, do you want to add anything else? I got less? one little
1: interjection at the end of that. When he's saying try stuff, now it could be you jumping in and investing in real estate, or it could be you going and working for a property management company and getting an education while you're there. While well, it could be the college years or it doesn't matter what age you are. Getting the education while you're there, you will learn more on the on-the-job training than you will in real life. And if you're going to go have a job, It just blows my mind the difference that these few little words here could make in a lot of people's lives. So if you're a business owner, Mm -hmm. you show up early, you stay late.
0: Typically. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Early on, you show up early, you stay late. For your job, it should be no different because if you show up early to your job and you stay late and you go ask your supervisor, is there anything I can do for you before I leave, and you're his go-to guy, what makes you – if you're not like that at your job today – what makes you think that when you go get a job, or I mean, when you go out on your own and you're an entrepreneur, it makes you think that you're going to be any different that day than you are when you're then. It's all habits, and you got to build those habits of being early and staying late and going above and beyond while you're working for somebody. Suck it up and work
0: hard. Yes, you got to. It's got to work. I mean, it's work, work, work. Right. Yeah. So that uh, that's going to wrap up episode number four, Prosperity by the Pint. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook. And uh, what's the other one, Ed? YouTube. 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 We're also on the iTunes store, Prosperity by the Pine. Cheers.